the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Today's episode, NFL Week 1, Best Bets, our first Best Bets episode of the season. We will be with you for all 18 weeks and also the postseason. Joining us this year on our Best Bets pod, Mr. Brandon Anderson. He returns from last year. Vegas refund, Luke Swain. These two will be main staples throughout the course of the year. Our third rotating expert, he gets the first crack. Anthony DeBundo is in the third analyst chair today. We will also have Jill Gallant and Grant Niefer joining us throughout the season. So we look forward to you all uh, hanging with us throughout the course of the year. And those of you that are new, welcome. Let's dive right in. No time to waste. We've been talking about these freaking games for three months, Brandon Anderson. Our first best bet for week one. All right, let's dig into a first bet of the year, guys. Texans plus 10 against the Baltimore Ravens. You got to start it the right way. For me, week one is all about preseason reads. So I'm all in on the Texans. If you've been listening to the podcast, reading my stuff online, Texans, Texans everywhere. I got futures all over the place. I love the floor raisers on this team. They brought in Sheldon Rankins, Jimmy Ward on defense, Shaq Mason on the line. I love Will Anderson, the top draft pick, my defensive rookie of the year pick. Derek Stingley, shutdown corner type. Missed a lot of last season, back half. He's back as a sophomore. And then, of course, the new coaching staff. I am in, guys, on D'Amico Ryans. I'm in on Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator from the Shanahan tree. They retained Frank Ross, special teams coach. He led the unit to number two in the league last year. So I just like a lot of the spine here. The offensive line, ah, kind of wish they were a little healthier than they've looked so far. But I like the defense. I like the special teams. And the defense was top 10, actually, in DVOA back half of last season, second against the pass. Now they get back Stingley, who missed most of that. They add Will Anderson, the top defender in the draft. And they add D'Amico Ryans, who led, obviously, great defense these last years in San Francisco. So Baltimore, I like the idea. I think later in the season is when we want Baltimore. Obviously, we got Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator. That is a huge departure for what that offense is going to look like. I can't wait to see it, but I worry that it might take them a little time. If you look back, Munkin has led an offense four seasons previously, three with the Bucs, one with the Browns. September and October, Munkin-led offenses are 9-18-1 against the spread, 33% cover rate, and when they're favored, 2-10 against the spread when Todd Munkin leads the offense. This stuff takes time, and this is probably one of the biggest switches offensively that we've seen. Lamar Jackson, it's going to take a little time to go from this very run-heavy Greg Roman offense to probably more of a spread pass attack. So early in the year, 10 points, it's just too much. We just don't know enough about these teams yet, and I think we are assuming too much about Baltimore, and maybe not enough about Houston Week one underdogs of eight points or more, 25 and nine to the spread, 74% cover rate over the last couple decades. 
Week one road dogs that missed the playoffs, 64% since 2011 against the spread. Houston's my team, guys. Worst to first division winner, 11 to 1. And I bring that up because I had to put decide, do I want my bet now or do I wait till after this spot where they're huge dogs? I want it now because I think Houston has a legitimate chance to stay in and win this game. Week one, road underdogs of 7 to 10 points have a 25% ROI on the money line in week one. So give me the Texans plus 10. Give me the plus 390. I'll sprinkle the money line, and let's get this Houston party started out the right way. All right, you've been consistent on this throughout the entire offseason, into training camps, preseason, and here you are. Your first bet of the year is Texans plus 10. Talking size and totals, of course, for week one. Luke Swain, welcome back to the program. Your first best bet of the year. So my first one is going to be the Seattle Seahawks minus five and a half currently hosting the LA Rams, which this one does feel like it is somewhat of a too good to be true line uh, where I honestly don't understand how it hasn't moved since Cooper Cup has been ruled out. Um, it, it was three and a half, I want to say a couple weeks ago. Um, it's been five and a half, I want to say last week or so. And Cooper Cup gets ruled out and it just hasn't. Um, I still think it is going to move up. Um, I would absolutely love if I woke up on Sunday and it was minus seven. But at five and a half, it is still a play. This Rams team, it's always been the shiny object type team where you have the Aaron Donalds, the Matt Stafford, the Cooper Cups that like are the factor that everyone focus on. And then behind those shiny objects, they have just been like really bodies. And that's really it. And Going into this year, they are losing six starters on defense, which includes Ramsey, Wagner, and Floyd. We don't have Cup. Stafford didn't play in the preseason. Um, and then when you factor in the pressure rate for the Rams, outside of Aaron Donald, their defensive lineman had six sacks total last year. So there really isn't anything to get behind, which is kind of why it feels too good to be true. Because at five and a half, this Seahawks offense, I think, is going to surprise a lot of people and make even a leap from last year. I believe in Geno Smith. They have all the home field advantage. There's just too many factors that favor the Seahawks that go against the Rams. And that five and a half, uh, that is my only favorite that I'll be giving out on this podcast, but I'll go Seahawks minus five and a half. To your point, not just the Rams this week, but from a season long perspective, that win total at six and a half and the under six and a half juice to minus 140. So it's not just this week. It could be a down year for the Rams. DeBundo, welcome. First best bet, please, for week one. Well, it'll be interesting to see Tutu Atwell and Van Jefferson against those two Seattle corners. It's going to be tough, I think, for the Rams to move the ball. No offensive line either. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans plus three against the New Orleans Saints. We were joking with Matt Treby, our NFL editor, when I requested this game specifically as my first game to write up. So I will have a full preview of this game in the Action Network app. And he was kind of joking around, like, why do you want this game? It's so ugly. I think the Saints are a bit of a house of cards, and I think that things could come tumbling down quite quickly for them. They are the second oldest roster in the NFL uh, based on the 53-man. They are slightly younger than the Jets, but remember the Jets with their punter and their quarterback are kind of skewed by a couple outliers. So really, uh, the oldest roster overall uh, in the league, and they're relying on a ton of production from very old players uh, on both sides of the ball. And I think that's a major red flag coming into any season where you want to be younger and trending in the right direction. Uh, and Tennessee right around league average in age. 
also just don't know what's left of Derek Carr. You know, Carr is the you know the big offseason change. He has not been good in his first year with with new systems and new schemes, and he's taken some time. And he certainly had his moments in the NFL. But this is a guy who was in the bottom eight uh, amongst quarterbacks with at least a hundred plays last year in e, uh, EPA per play, EPO, EPA CPOE composite. Uh, success rates were in the in the tank. He was considerably worse than Andy Dalton uh, in the same metrics. So I think you know everybody's assuming, well, you know, Andy Dalton kind of at the end of his career, they're upgrading at quarterback. But I'm not really sure of that. And, and the main argument for the Saints, if you're betting on them from a season long perspective or uh, looking at you know their win total, has been the schedule because they have a very easy quote unquote schedule. But if you just make the Saints a little bit worse than they actually are, and I think they are, then all of a sudden that easy schedule becomes a lot of coin flip games. And I just don't think that they're nearly as good as the market says they are here with Tennessee. You're buying low, I think, on the Titans after they had a disaster second half of the season. First half of last year, Titans were the clear favorite to win the AFC South. And, uh, you know, did they get fortunate a few times in some of those wins? Absolutely. But remember, everybody got hurt. They returned most of their defensive personnel and their defensive coordinator uh, and Tannehill back in the fold. Somebody who's, I think, consistently been undervalued by the market and put up solid numbers. Last year was definitely a step back from what we'd seen uh, in the maybe Arthur Smith Titan era for their offense, but still was a league average quarterback by you know EPO, uh, EPA and was above average and in the top 10 in success rate last year, Tannehill. So I think this is a clear coin flip game. You know, throw in some home field for the Saints. But if you're catching the full three, I like Tennessee with the points. Vrabel as an underdog has always been a profitable mm. endeavor in his career as well. Uh, you know, whether you think there's something to that or it's just small sample noise is, is to be determined. But uh, Vrabel certainly seems to find coaching edges. Uh, and, and that Titans defense, I just am always impressed with how well coached they are uh, and play above their talent level. Whereas the Saints team, you know, it's a whole new offensive quarterback and and system so there could be some growing pains there the nfl is back so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks sign up with bet mgm using bonus code action and get up to one thousand dollars paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text Hope NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. 
Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada or New York. Brandon, your second one, I think ideally you'd prefer under three points when you're taking the favorite here, but you're so high on the Atlanta Falcons. I am. Give me the Falcons minus three and a half against the Panthers. And like you said, I'm still waiting on this one. I haven't put it in the app yet because I'm hoping we might get a three, but I think there's probably a better chance it moves to four. That can be a key number as well. So probably just going to go ahead and make my bet. Again, preseason read here. And a lot of the same points that said about the Texans, a lot of floor raisers added to Atlanta, especially defensively. Jesse Bates at safety. The whole defensive line, really. Calais Campbell, Onyemata, Bud Dupree to pass rush. A.J. Terrell, he's been there, but I think with actual defenders around him, he looks like the star he looked like two years ago again, rather than the down season he had last year. Asan DVOA projected for this year. The Falcons ranked 10th in projected defense. That is rich even for my Atlanta love, but man, that sounds good to me because I have this as a top 10 offense. Arthur Smith, second time we get to talk about on the podcast, top six DVOA offense, two times in Tennessee, 13th last year with no quarterback. And I know we don't really know yet if Atlanta has a quarterback this year, but we know they don't have Marcus Mariota. So we know they have Bijan Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. They have a top 10 offensive line. I just trust the floor of this team. That run game is the one good unit. The offense of Atlanta is the one unit to trust here on the field. Atlanta has been another team I've been all in on the preseason. Plus 110 to make the playoffs. Love that in the week NFC. Plus 220 to go worst to first in the division. Uh, We just talked about the Saints. I agree with DeBundo on a lot of the hesitation on New Orleans this year. Atlanta has that same soft schedule, and that starts right here. We get the rookie quarterback. On the road, debut, if you look back, guys, do you know who the last quarterback who was the number one pick is to win in week one? It is David, not Derek, David Carr in the 2002. <laughs> Since then, number one quarterbacks are winless, 0-13-1, and have covered the spread one out of those 14 times. So Frank Reich, our guy in Carolina, has never covered in week one. He's 0-4-1 by eight points a game. Does not have his team ready. I like Atlanta. Carolina looked terrible in the preseason. The line is in rough shape. Chark and Thielen are hurt at receiver. Brian Burns, I don't know if he's even playing or what's happening with him. This line, like you said, I'd rather the three, but I think it should be about six. So I'll take Atlanta minus three and a half. That is an injury report for the Panthers that just continues to grow, and it's not promising. So Brandon's willing to go minus three and a half on the Atlanta Falcons. Luke, your second one, and I think DeBundo is going to follow up because he's in agreement on this one. Yep, so I'm going to go with the Packers plus one and a half at the Bears, which we got the Justin Fields, who's the flashy quarterback that is on everyone's fantasy team, and then we have Jordan Love, who is replacing Aaron Rodgers, who is on nobody's fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> This this is just one that I think the the Packers aren't getting a lot of credit because Aaron Rodgers isn't there. And then we have the Bears who are getting almost too much credit because they have Justin Fields. The Packers still have weapons at running back, wide receiver, tight end. They have a solid O-line. Christian Watson and Dobbs haven't practiced. I think Dobbs practiced today and Christian Watson was still held out. But I still expect Watson to play. Um, Even if he didn't, it wouldn't really matter, honestly, in terms of my bet. Uh, But the Packers are just, like, historically a great team, and the Bears just haven't. And history are different teams. But at the same time, 
Aaron Rodgers is on the Jets, and I really think that is just everyone is tossing out the Packers at this point. Uh, the Packers last year were dead last against rushing quarterbacks, but actually performed pretty well against Fields. Fields has never had a positive VPA game passing against the Packers, which is great because the Packers are returning a bunch of starters. Um, and then we have Tevin Jenkins, who is the Bears' best offensive lineman at left tackle, who was just announced out for six weeks. So that should help even more. Um, this one at plus one and a half, like I w- it, it was surprising to see the Packers, even if it is a tiny underdog, um, an underdog when it opened, and it still is. And I wouldn't be surprised if this closes a pick em, or maybe even Packers minus one. It's toggled between one and one and a half throughout the week. Debundo, what can you add to this? You're also on the Packers for your second best bet. Where are the Bears better than the Packers? Crickets. That would be my, that's my question. I, I don't know yeah. the answer to that question. You have to. I mean, you have to give me something. I don't. I don't know give what the answer something. is. I mean, defensively, I've been the biggest Joe Barry critic. I think everybody on NFL Twitter and any, any NFL conversation will tell you that like he's a pretty overrated defensive coordinator. Because every year we go, well, look at how talented the Packers are defensively, yeah. and then they get kind of bullied. But this Bears offense is not one that's going to run you over. And that's been the Packers' biggest problem is that their run game. You know, when the teams can run the ball on them, it's just a it's a convoy, uh, and and that that was exposed at various points last season, but the bears offense is not really that they're more of a finesse offense and Justin Fields. Look, I get the idea that he could take this big leap. He could, and that gives the bears like a high upside, but I don't think they're that great on paper right now. Their defense still has a ton of holes. They really haven't plugged. They're still kind of developing this rebuild under and around fields. And his accuracy rate was sixth worst in the NFL last year. His uh, pressure rate in the pocket was bottom five. Part of that is the O-line was bad. Part of that is Fields is not very good at avoiding sacks. He, t- he still has that problem. He had that problem in college, and, and it's kind of continued. As good of an athlete as he is, as explosive as he is, his decision-making in the pocket remains to be a question mark. I have less doubt about Love uh, right now. I think you know Love, uh, as a passer in limited samples we've seen, has been decisive. He's been solid in the pocket. There's accuracy questions with him too, but this is a better offensive line for sure. Brandon Anderson wrote about uh, his NFL offensive line rankings. He had the Bears 25th. I think it's a pretty fair ranking that they're one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And so, you know, this market has moved steadily toward Green Bay. It was two and a half all summer. And as limits have gone up and as the market is taking more money, it's slowly started its trend toward what I think will ultimately close a pick them. So I'm going to take the point. I'm going to take the Packers on the road in Chicago. Brandon Anderson and Luke's in alignment on this next pick you've got for us. A home dog. It's rah-rah Mike Tomlin. Yeah, you know, we we love our rah-rah Tomlin spot. We went here often toward the end of last season, and a lot of that reason was T.J. Watt. So we're going back to the well. Give me the Steelers plus two and a half at home against the 49ers. And, yeah, I just think this is a classic fade Kyle Shanahan, the favorite, and rah-rah Tomlin underdog. Give me the combo spot here. Pittsburgh's defense, I think, is the best unit on the field. That's right. Pittsburgh has the best unit on the field, not the 49ers. That defense, when Watt played last year, was top 10 against the pass, and they were number one against the rush. And remember, last year, we're getting a lot of talk, all the hype about Brock Purdy, but if you look at the underlying numbers, the offensive jump that happened in the second half of the year was McCaffrey and the run game and the and the blocking And then Purdy was kind of just doing what Garoppolo did, as far as the metrics said. I know it's a different style, but the run game is what exploded. Pittsburgh can control the run game. 
TJ Watt, when he was on the field last year, Steelers went eight and two. When he didn't play, one and six. You can't really make it much clearer than that. And to me, this is a chance to fade the Brock Purdy narrative. And I'm looking to fade until he proves otherwise. Last year in the regular season, we know he never lost a game. We know he piled up numbers, two or more touchdowns every game. Average DVA he faced was 22nd in the NFL over that stretch. Now, he did face Dallas in the playoffs. We know that. And he won. He had one touchdown and four field goals. He had a 19% bad throw rate. Cannot say that he particularly overwhelmed us in that game. So, uh, DeBondo, you mentioned the offensive line rankings. San Francisco's have been slowly and steadily falling the last few years. I'm a little worried about their line against what I think is maybe the best pass rush in the NFL. Not just TJ Watt, but Alex Highsmith and now Marcus Golden, too. I think they get after Purdy. We've seen him be erratic. We've seen him make throws that could be turnovers, and they haven't been. Maybe Minka Fitzpatrick gets that interception or someone. I think this is one of those spots that Monday morning everyone's talking about, oh, man, did the 49ers blow it by sticking with Brock Purdy? Three turnovers. We got the whole story. Kyle Shanahan, one and five against the spread in week one, only two and four straight up. That San Fran defense, we don't really know how much Nick Bosa is going to be able to give. And I think their corners can get beaten by the Steelers receivers. So rah-rah Tomlin, specific stat here that normally the rah-rah is better later in the season. But Tomlin as a home underdog, seven or less at any point of the season, 14-3-3 against the spread. So if you add in the short line and the home, that is an 82% cover rate by six points including 13 and seven straight up on the money line. So not your traditional rah-rah spot, but the home dog, the short dog there. I love it. So give me the Steelers plus two and a half. So despite the fact and starts Brock Purdy made and starts, he finished. I must add the Niners did not lose a game, but Brandon's going against him week one on the road against Pittsburgh. Luke, what can you add to this? You're on Pittsburgh as well. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Pittsburgh as well. And, it does feel like a lot of people are starting to hop on the Steelers bandwagon, which worries you. Oh, what? oh it does worry me, um, but it's fine. Uh, we're like they, they had an amazing preseason. Uh, Pickett looked fantastic, but Brock Purdy, like I genuinely don't understand how he is playing at a level to where he can start an NFL game. Like the guy had elbow surgery not too long ago, and we all saw his elbow blow out in a playoff game yeah. less than a year ago. Um, and you watched him play in the preseason, and there were pro- there were some videos I saw on NFL Twitter that were like overblowing, like arcs on short passes because he didn't have the arm strength. Which, like, I kind of buy because it just it, I'm not a doctor, it's, but it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think if the Niners go to the Super Bowl, I think it will be be behind Sam Darnold, and I have them in my Super Bowl pick behind Sam Darnold, uh, who looked phenomenal and has had a bad break on all the teams that he's been playing for. And this is the first good team he's been on. But back to the pick, we have Purdy, who 39% of his passes were at or behind the line of scrimmage. And the Steelers' defense without T.J. Watt were number one against EPA on passes from at or behind the line of scrimmage last year. And now you get T.J. Watt, you get all the factors Brandon um, spoke to. And it's just a Steelers team that is up and coming against a Niners team that it's just a bad spot for them with a quarterback. I just have too many question marks um, to put trust in. Well, I'll tell you why the Brock Purdy thing is blowing you away because since they drafted Alex Smith, they've had Smith, 
They've had Kaepernick. They've had Jimmy Garoppolo. They've just found a way to plug and play. They drafted Trey Lance. It hasn't become a problem for them over the last decade. Maybe this and, is the time it will. And I, and all of those quarterbacks are kind of like diamonds in the roughs. And yeah, Darnold has all the talent in the world. Yeah. Where like it didn't work with Trey Lance and Darnold traits wise, he has them all. Who knows? I don't even feel like it's that hot of a take that if they went to this rule behind Sam Darnold, it would be a hot take. But they almost I mean, said they would bring in Philip Rivers to start the Super Bowl. Of course, it's not a hot take. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just getting upset because they, that, that was a thing that was brought up. Sorry, Luke, I got upset there for a second. It's okay. Philip Rivers in the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. Okay, DeBundo, take us home. You're going to go to Sunday Night Football for our final best bet. Did not have Sam Darnold and Philip Rivers discussion in the week one pod on my video card, <laughs> but I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys, minus three. I do not love that as we were recording this podcast, Tyron Smith just popped up on the injury report uh, with a potential issue, uh, but I'm going to assume he's he's going to be good to go for Sunday night. Uh, this Dallas team, probably the, the team I'm buying the most relative to the market, uh, in the entire league, their win total, you can find over 10 and minus 135. Love that. But I like them in this spot against the Giants. Look, the last time we saw the Giants play football, uh, they closed an eight-point road underdog in Philadelphia yep. in the divisional round of the playoffs and got absolutely waxed in that game. Uh, and now, you know, if you were to just say, okay, we're going to flip home field, I didn't have a material difference between the two teams. But if you flipped home field, that would get you to about what this number is right now with Dallas laying three and a half at some books, but currently a minus three at BetMGM. And of course, the almighty three, very important. Bet it there. Get the minus three, minus 115 is out there as we speak. But the, I hey, love, hey, real quick, with the Smith news, any chance it gets under three to two and a half? Or? Uh, if he were ruled out, maybe it gets to a three. I don't think he's okay. worth more than a half point. But even though, you know, one of the best tackles in the NFL – I really love the offseason additions that Dallas has made. I think they're going to be all over uh, Daniel Jones. The Giants' offensive line remains the biggest weakness, I think, for their their offense here, and I have major question marks about it. Dallas's pressure rate last year was 5% better than every other team in the NFL. Uh, they improved their defensive line in the run-stopping perspective. They went out and got Gilmore to be a corner two. The Giants, for me, offensively, still don't have a reliable receiver. And I know that if people have liked some of the additions and people are excited about, you know, the speed of Hyatt and, you know, like they're going to try to, you know, Renaissance, you know, Paris Campbell, but there's just no consistent option for me and this offense. And so it's going to have to be more Mike Kafka, Brian Dable, dark magic to make this offense work. And I just think it's going to be really hard to pull off uh, against a Dallas team that's going to live in their backfield the entirety of the night and probably play from the front. And then look, you know, the biggest question mark with Dallas is their offensive coordinator situation after, you know, Kellen Moore leaves. I think because we've all decided we don't like Mike McCarthy, we have attributed all of the bad things to the Dallas offense last year to him and then given all the good things to Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore did not do a great job, I thought, last season as offensive coordinator. Way too much conservative play calling on second and long, especially they were one of the heaviest run teams in the league on second and long. Way, way too much Zeke Elliott. Okay, maybe that's McCarthy. But then they get into the situation where uh, McCarthy's traditional sense has been that he's too pass heavy. But I think given their personnel and given the addition of Brandon Cooks and, and CeeDee Lamb and, and and Michael Gallup a year off the ACL maybe maybe has more juice than he showed last year, this is a team built to throw the ball. And Dak Prescott threw into tight windows more than any quarterback in the NFL last year. Again, could be a criticism of Kellen Moore who designed this offense. So I think that 
for all Mike McCarthy's flaws as a game manager and as a, as a head coach, uh, I think he deserves a shot here as offensive coordinator or as the main guy calling the plays. Uh, and I think it's going to be a, a, a boon for this Dallas offense to throw the ball more. So I think the ceiling's higher for Dallas. Uh, and I love them laying three here. Again, three and a half is a pass for me. I know how good divisional home underdogs have been. I know the trend, but I'm going against it. I'm going with Dallas uh, minus three. Okay, gentlemen, more memories are made when you are there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, our friends at Ticketmaster have got you covered as the official marketplace of the National Football League. Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Before we go, Brandon Anderson, a week two look-ahead spot that you have circled that you'd like to give out now before everyone overreacts and loses their minds after week one. Yeah, exactly. So the goal of the look ahead, of course, is to grab a line for next week. Those lines are up now. We want to get one that we think is going to be on the move by Sunday night. Once those lines all reopen, get some of that, that closing value, that, that sweet, sweet CLV to add to our portfolio. (laughs) That said, this is the one week of the year I'm going to go a little cautiously on the look at because, again, we don't have information about these teams yet, and we're going to get a lot of it on Sunday. So I think don't go too crazy on a look ahead here. One that I do like and will play is the Atlanta Falcons. My Falcons, just give me the money line, home against the Packers. It's minus 110. If you need the, the points, I see a minus one and a half. Prefer the money line, but don't mind the minus one and a half. Look, I already feel like the, we, we talked about the Falcons cruising past the Panthers. We're taking them over the minus three and a half. We probably expect a big win here. This is kind of the hot nerd team this year, right? It reminds me of the way everyone got excited about the Eagles a year ago. The Falcons were only two and a half point favorites against the Panthers. That jumped two and then past the key number to where we're getting it now. So I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta has a big week. Do we start to get some steam there? Now on the other side, I kind of am with the two of you guys on the Packers. The one thing that pushed me a little bit away as a caution there The big thing that Green Bay does not do well is defend the run. And the only thing that Chicago does do well is run the football. If the Packers lose in Chicago, and I don't think they will, but I think it's possible. If they lose, it's because Jordan Love wasn't good, and now we have that information. Or it's because the Bears ran all over them, and we have that information. And if that happens, the Falcons are number three in run DVOA. The Packers' defense is number 31 in run defense DVOA. That's a huge matchup advantage that I'm going to like no matter what happens. But if we find out after watching week one that the Packers just don't look very good, then I think this line gets past three in a hurry and we lose a lot of value here. So I'm not too worried about the line moving toward the Packers too far. It's not going to get to a minus three on the road. So give me the Falcons. Minus one and a half if you need it, but I'll take the money line minus 110 for week two. All right. For Luke Swain, Anthony DeBundo, Brandon Anderson, Brendan Glasheen, that is going to do it for our first Action Network podcast NFL week one best bets episode. We're presented by BetMGM. We'll have Joe Gallant joining Brandon, Luke, and myself next week. Best of luck. Enjoy the games. Bet responsibly. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.